Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Fundraising and social media. No matter what you think about social media or fundraising, the bottom line is this. First of all, we are surrounded by social media. It is ubiquitous, right? Whether you're a user of Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, uh, stats show that all of us are using social media all the time. Now, the question is this. How do we utilize social media for the benefit of our nonprofit organizations and specifically fundraising. How can we really capture the use of social media and then specifically online donating um, to really benefit our nonprofits? Well, our guest today is Claire Kerr and she's gonna talk all about how we can maximize both fundraising, specifically online donations and online fundraising with the use of social media. Now she's served in senior roles at nonprofit organizations in the economic development, education and health and research sectors. She's dedicated to the positive uses of technology and the nonprofit environment. In fact, she's a real believer that social and mobile channels are brilliant tools for social engagement and the most effective ways to serve and steward donors and supporters of nonprofits. So we're going to talk today about how do we utilize social media and online giving as brilliant tools to really grow your nonprofit organization. Enjoy today's show. Claire, it's great to have you on the show, and you're calling in from Canada. It's great to have a Canadian on this podcast. So, Claire, the, let me kind of give you some background, then we want to ask the first question. So, first of all, thanks for being on the show today. Hi, Rob. This is so exciting. Okay, so fundraising and social media. Now, for many nonprofit leaders, fundraising is the most difficult and confounding aspect of their job, right? And with the impact of social media, uh, the challenge of fundraising in the digital age seems that much more daunting. So I want you to talk about some real data regarding what you and your firm are finding regarding online habits, specifically regarding online giving. Um, so could you give my listeners a broad, like 30,000 foot view of the current state of fundraising and social media activity? What is your research telling you right now? Sure. Yeah. And I, I completely understand how it might seem daunting. There is so much that gets thrown at us. Um, there's so much to sift through. There are a million reports out there. There's a million webinars. Um, we have data in all different places at our own organizations, and so sometimes it seems like we're overwhelmed with numbers or strategies, and the news is always turning our head on the latest thing in technology, so it's hard to know what to concentrate on. So if you are a bit confused about what's happening in online fundraising or online technology, you are just like the rest of us. But I want to let you know that there are some principles that are holding true that you can apply to your own organization. And one interesting thing to know about donors is that a lot of digital habits for donors online follow trends in e-commerce. And so things that you are noticing in your own online shopping behavior and the way that you consume media, the way that you use social media, or the way that you browse your emails and things like that also applies to your donors. 
So one of the uh, major themes, I think, for fundraising professionals to be aware of is the rise of mobile. And by mobile, I mean how we're consuming content and how we're making transactions on mobile devices. So that would be like a smartphone or a tablet. I have an iPhone, Rob. I don't know what phone you have, but I'm sure it connects to the Internet. Uh, the top um, device for donors right now is the iPhone, of course, followed by Android devo devices. And if you look at global e-commerce, the share of e-commerce that um, is actually transacted on a mobile device, that's someone who buys something on a mobile phone, uh, is a, at about 58 or 59%, and it'll probably hit 60% by the end of this year. And when I mean transaction, I mean that you've actually, maybe you bought a ticket online. Maybe you clicked from an email, you bought a ticket, you used Eventbrite, the mobile version. Maybe you were browsing on Instagram and you saw workout leggings. That, that's my problem. I'm always seeing, you know, black leggings are retargeting me, and I'm buying the same pair of workout leggings over and over again, but they do have a buy now option. Doing that all on our smartphone. So that's something that's really common in e-commerce. When we look at donors, and I look at the data on our platform at Friendstream, right now, 50% of donation transactions are occurring on a mobile device, a smartphone or a tablet, the vast majority being a smartphone. And the other 50% is still desktop. So that would be like PCs, laptops, that kind of thing. And so for nonprofit leaders, a big and simple takeaway is to make sure that anything that's transactional for your organization, that would be a conversion point where someone can take an action for you, is accessible on a mobile browser. So we've already for a few years been hearing about how important it is to make sure that our email is readable on a mobile device, that um, anything in the email can be clicked and um, that person can go uh, view the content or take that action, that call to action, make a transaction on a mobile browser. You also have to look at how your web properties or anything you would be directing people to would appear on a mobile device. So that means your donation form, obviously, that's a good, that's a good one to start. Your newsletter sign up, a petition you might be using, uh, videos that you want people to, um, to view. And anything that you put on social media, any link that you put on social media should work on a mobile device because the vast majority of content on social media is consumed on a smartphone. And I'm just fascinated by what donors do and event participants and peer-to-peer -peer fundraising and all of that stuff. One of the things I've noticed that this probably won't surprise anybody listening, but the peak days of the week for uh, online donations are definitely Monday to Friday. So we definitely see, you know, spikes sometimes. I've seen, depending on the campaign, and remember, you know, not all nonprofit is the same. This is an aggregate we're talking about. I tend to see that kind of like Wednesday is kind of a high, um, sometimes peak, and sometimes Friday as well. Again, people are probably dipping into their emails there. But the weekends are lower. One of the really interesting things is the peak of um, donations on PCs and laptops. So the, the time of day when people tend to donate when they're sitting there in front of their computer on a laptop is between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. and then with a little spike after lunch. Now, this is what I'm seeing in aggregate. You can totally dive into your own nonprofit or charity stats and see if that's the same for your organization. Your donors or your cause, the nature of your cause or the nature of your audience might be a little bit different, but this is what we see sort of when we're looking at millions of, um, of different transactions. And so I just described to you 
the typical user behavior for PCs and laptops. And that probably won't surprise you because if you think about your own e-commerce habits, anybody who's done a little bit of online shopping and, you know, you're clicking, again, I'm coming back to the leggings, you know, and I'm like, oh, Gap leggings are on sale. That's fantastic, right? Um, I'm probably checking out, you know, my emails in the morning or maybe I'm, you know, feeling a little bit less, like, you know, engaged at work after lunch and I'm kind of clicking around. Um, so that's probably not going to shock anybody. But when we look at transactions that occur on mobile devices, so again, smartphones and tablets, the peak time for online donations is completely reversed. It's between 8 and 10 p.m. at night. And so we don't see as many transactions happening. Of course, they happen all, all day, right? But we're seeing these little spikes in the evening and commuting hours. Okay, this is fascinating. I could tell you have a lot of information to share. So in your opinion, what are the most common mistakes leaders make when it comes to fundraising? Okay, so there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, one of the things that's really important for people to be aware of is that for online fundraising, social media is not the top performing channel um, by, by far it is not. In fact, it represents a small, a very small chunk of all online fundraising. The top performing channel by far is email. And again, I think this does also follow trends in e-commerce as well. Um, email is still a powerful channel. And if you would love to see some benchmarking research on emails for um, for fundraising, for advocacy, for all that great stuff, I suggest, and I'll send you these links afterwards, you can put them in the show notes, to check out the M&R Research Benchmarking Research Report. It's M plus R um, Research uh, Report. They do this every year, and they look at stats for open rates, conversions, for fundraising emails and advocacy for nonprofits. So email is a really, really important channel, and we know that the majority of emails are opened on mobile devices now. That's user behavior. So that's where it becomes really important to make sure that if you have a donate now call to action in an email, that you click and you go to a mobile optimized donation form with a, um, a gateway that supports people, you know, uh, donating really quickly with a experience that's going to be fantastic on a mobile device. Now, when we look at donation amounts, um, desktop, laptop donations still tend to be larger. So uh, the, I actually pulled these stats for you. Um, I looked at last month a, a segment of our data for just direct donations, and we saw an average gift for um, people who were donating through laptops and PCs at $97 USD. So that was the average for your laptop desktop crowd. And for mobile donors, we saw slightly lower at $75. So I've noticed that as a trend for, for quite some time, that mobile donors tend to be um, a slightly smaller amount. But we think a lot of that can come back to demographics as well. Um, so we, we know that baby boomers and up tend to be um, give at larger gift amounts, um, tend to give more frequently. And so we think that you could probably map that to demographics, but there's probably a whole story um, behind that. But we also know that if you tend to dive into the different methods that people are giving, uh, we did a fun um, infographic for Giving Tuesday where we showed that iPhone users tended to donate just slightly more than Android users. But that is a trend that we saw in e-commerce as well. So retailers also noticed that, right? So there's like lots of interesting takeaways um, if you really get into the, the data there. 
Hey everybody, Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. Uh, my hope is you really are enjoying this conversation we're having with Claire. Um, also, I'll let you know that our website, we have so many different wonderful guests and great topics. And you just go to the nonprofitleadershippodcast.org, go to that website, and you can download all of our different interviews we've had over the last couple of years. It's a wonderful place to go. Plus, on that page, you can also sign up for our email. Um, and if you get our email, then you're going to get um, every time we have a new podcast, Podcast, we'll send it directly to your email. We'll also, over time, we're going to give some special um, bonuses, if you will, uh, some extra tips and things that we're learning from our guests on this show. So it'd be great to get your email and you can just sign up for it. And again, you'll get uh, right into your inbox the latest podcast every time we produce another one. So thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Okay, now we talked about social media on the outset here. So what is the role of social media as it relates to fundraising? And is this fundamentally changing how nonprofits should fundraise? What do you think about that? Um, when I look at our stats, Facebook represents about 95% of socially referred donations. Sorry, yeah, that's right. 95% of donations that would be referred by social channels. So Facebook is a behemoth um, when it comes to getting people to click to your donation forms, click to your um, registration for event forms, click to your petitions, click to your email signups, anything that would be transactional. And it makes sense because Facebook is where eyeballs are. That's where we have really, really, really active users. So Facebook is a platform that has people that I think it's something, I'm sure this is even outdated now, that 50% of people log in at least once a day. Um, and that means people are really active. And the time that they spend on Facebook is significant, which means that your content has an actual opportunity to be in front of somebody's um, eyes, right? So Facebook is um, definitely the the most popular social um, network or the most popular commercial social network out there. And it's the one that charities and nonprofits tell us that they often find the most success on as it's where the majority of their donors tend to be. And remember, Facebook isn't a platform necessarily for the youth or anything like that. The average uh, user is 40 or older, I think. Um, so Facebook, just by the nature of its own user base, is a really great way. It's the most natural one for most nonprofits. So there's a lot you can do with it. And, of course, Facebook and Instagram are aligned. It's the same company. And um, Instagram is a different platform, a different experience. But one of the things that we're noticing is that charities and nonprofits are seeing success, not necessarily in uh, just in boosting your posts is a good thing. You can definitely do that. And there are lots of great strategies for getting your content in front of people. But I think the biggest trend right now in social is in social media advertising. And one thing I wanted to point out really um, important that is, I think, important is the rise of live streaming. So Facebook and Instagram have put a huge focus on streaming video, which makes it really easy for you to show the impact of your cause. You do not have to sponsor your videos. You don't have to boost them or do advertising for, the, for that. But you have the ability to show what your cause is doing because you everyone has a compatible device in their in their pocket right now. If you've got a mobile phone, you have the ability to build up a video content library at low cost. It just takes a little bit of experimentation um, to figure it out. But I think a lot of nonprofits they see 
Instagram accounts from charities and think, oh, my gosh, well, listen, that's an animal shelter. They always have cute animal videos to film. Um, we're not that. We do something else, and we don't know how we can translate our mission to a visual or video-type format. I would say that any organization can have compelling videos for social, something that they can put on Instagram stories. Um, and a really good example of that would be if you go on Instagram, Instagram.com in, uh, Innocence Project. That's if you're on the web, or you could just look up um, the handle Innocence Project. It's the Instagram associated to the Innocence Network. And the Innocence Network provides pro bono services to individuals who've been wrongly convicted of crimes. So that is the, the opposite of like fluffy cat type videos. But they have 48,000 followers. So just take a look at how they use photography, text quotes, images to tell the story of their cause and why it's important and really engage with people. Um, and you can be inspired by that. So you don't have to be something that you think is automatically really exciting and dynamic. Um, you can be a cause that it just has something at its heart that you know that you can translate and um, give a try with, uh, with live stream video. So Twitter's really cool too because I mean that there are um I think Twitter's fantastic for real time engagement. So Twitter's great if you want to engage with um especially local media, journalists in your area, um influencers in your area or you, there's an event that's occurring, like an actual event that has like a time frame, a specific day. Twitter is fantastic for that because um that's really where the action is for Twitter. But in the last few years, we have seen a real big reduction in the amount of donations that have been referred from Twitter. And a lot of that represents the decline of Twitter's user base. So there are less people that are actively spending time on Twitter. Twitter has a lot of users, but they are not particularly as active as they used to be. So sometimes we have people that will consume, you know, Twitter content but not actually put any content in. People are logging in a little bit less. And um, we've seen this over the last few years uh, when it comes to fundraising. And last Giving Tuesday uh, was the first Giving Tuesday. We're looking at all the stats that were coming in for Giving Tuesday. That was the first time that we saw Instagram actually referring more donations than Twitter uh, for Giving Tuesday. So that's like holiday, end of year type giving. What are the ramifications of a nonprofit who doesn't engage with social media with their nonprofit? Oh, yeah, not engaging at all. Yeah, it's um, a little bit rare that I'll hear that because I think that a lot of folks have kind of um, conceded the point that if you want to engage with an audience, you have to go where that audience is, right? And we know that people are spending hours on social platforms, and so you want to be able to talk to them and not sort of cut that off. But I'll, I, for fundraisers, I can see why they wouldn't want to commit a lot of time to social media because for all the reasons I've just said, that it is not a, a – for most for most organizations, it's not a hugely top-performing channel. Um, again, it might depend on what campaign you're doing. For instance, you can have campaigns that feature social media really heavily by design, and so obviously you'd have a lot more transactions through them. But for your average fundraiser, your average nonprofit, I can see why they would um, feel that it wouldn't be top of mind. But 
I really want to point out that social media is in many ways customer service or, and donor engagement because you're really having a back-and-forth conversation with the people you serve. So that's the folks who donate to your cause or the volunteers who want to work for you or the corporate sponsors that want to, you know, see if you're legit as an organization. And social media is not a broadcasting platform. So you have you have other channels for that. Yeah, like I like I said, you could you, you can go buy a billboard if you just want to you know broadcast your logo. Um, so for, in many ways, the ramifications would be the same for a nonprofit that just refused to pick up the phone when people are calling you. If you're not engaging on social media, it's like having a phone that you never pick up but you can only call out. And so you would be going about your business, constantly calling out, dialing up your donors, you know, calling your constituents, asking for donations, asking for support. But then if they call you, you're not picking up. Then you you would know instinctively if that was a situation at your organization, you would say, hey, that's wrong. That, that's We shouldn't be doing that. We should be hearing from our community and engaging in our community. So that's the exact same principle. It's important to be a member of a community that you want to participate in. So um, one thing you can do to sort of combat the feeling of like, oh, my gosh, there's too much going on, is to decide what channels it's reasonable for you to engage on. And so you don't have to be on every single thing. I see some charities who are, who are really successful and have a lot of fun on Snapchat. They have a advocate there who really likes Snapchat, you know, and, they, um, and they're really diligent about putting – stuff up and they've and created their own community there, which is fantastic. Um, but you don't have to, if that's not a channel that you think fits with your target audience or that fits with where you can allocate your work, then you don't necessarily have to be on it. So um, for most organizations, they maintain a, a Facebook account, and that makes sense because the legacy platform has been around for, for a while. Um, and I think that even more important than making sure that you are um, posting your, your content all the time, and we can talk about, you know, posting content and content calendars and all that great stuff, I think it's important to make sure that you are responsive on the platforms that you choose to engage on. So if you're going to be on Facebook or you're going to be on Instagram or Twitter, Make sure that you are responding to direct messages or private messages. Here's the difficulty. There's a lot of nonprofits that don't have a lot of money or a budget for really expanding their social media, let alone their online giving arm. So how can a nonprofit that does not have a huge budget or staff still effectively utilize social media? What are some of the key strategies that you would recommend? Okay, no no problem. And this is a really common question. So there are tons of resources out there for you. Um, the first, I had already kind of mentioned, choosing the channels that you want to engage on and choosing them strategically. So, again, you don't have to be on every single channel. I would pick a channel that is reasonable for you to maintain and is also reasonable in terms of your community so that you know that your donors, your supporters, the people that care about you would be on that um, channel. For most people, like I mentioned, that could be Facebook or Instagram, but that's really up to you. For instance, if you were a, um, a, a charitable organization that helped people find jobs or was career-driven, you might have a lot of um, success building up a LinkedIn group community, right? So that, that would make more sense for you. But really, it, it depends on your organization. Um, the ne next thing would be to put um, your social media use and posts in a social media content calendar. So Julia Campbell, I don't know if she's been, I think she might have been a guest on your podcast, but she was recently on our podcast asking for more. She is a um, nonprofit communications and marketing expert. 
on her website, uh, jcsocialmarketing.com. She has a free social media calendar template that you can download. And what you can do is you can map that to all the content that you have going out. So whether you have an email drop, you've got a direct mail drop maybe, um, you, you're going to be blogging or all that sort of stuff that you do to communicate with your audience as a nonprofit. It will help you map what you do on social to what you're communicating so that you're integrated, which is a really important thing. So um, it'll help you get organized. So that that'll definitely help you quantify how much work you're doing. So that's one one step. The other resource uh, is Kiwi LaRue Miller. She's written a book called Content Marketing for Nonprofits, and on her website. She's got lots of free resources about content marketing specifically. One more thing that you can do that doesn't require a lot of money is to um, make sure that your Google grants uh, are in order. So have you applied for your um, Google for Nonprofits Google grants so that you could have $10,000 of in-kind advertising every month from um, Google AdWords? So, a lot of organized now we, this is top of mind for me because we were just talking to Google this week about um, how we could do some really interesting experiments with AdWords with our clients here at Frontstream. And one of the things that they pointed out is that there are many nonprofits who don't know that they're eligible for Google for nonprofits, so they haven't applied for the Google Grants program. So that's one issue. So go ahead and um, do that at Google for nonprofits. <laughs> you literally uh, just Google, Google for nonprofits, and it comes up. And then there are those who've been approved for the program. So there is, you have to go through an approval process. So maybe it is the, the time that, you know, you're taking to go through it that, that makes people forget that once you've been approved, you have access to this um, advertising platform. And there are lots of different ways you can optimize what you're doing online. And uh, Google for Nonprofits and the Google Grants program gives you lots of information to help you work through what you need to do to optimize your AdWords to uh, for whatever purpose you're tr you're trying to advertise for your cause. There could be multiple ways that you want to um, advertise. Again, you could be asking people to donate to your cause near the holidays. You could ask, be asking people to sign petitions. You could be asking people to um, sign up for peer-to-peer -peer events and things like that. There's lots of things you could potentially be doing, but um, I, I think that uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed with uh, that particular program, especially if you're not used to the, the, the Google, Google Analytics or Google um, advertising. So fortunately, if you just, <laughs> I'm going to say the word Google again, if you just Google, Google AdWord optimization, there are um, lots of great resources out there specifically for nonprofits to help walk you through um, how to manage your grants program. Claire, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, again, those who are listening, my guest today is Claire Kerr. She works for Frontstream, and she's had roles at nonprofit organizations in the economic development, education, health, and research sectors. Uh, she's really a believer that social and mobile channels are brilliant tools for social engagement. Um, so Claire, how can people find out more about you and more about Frontstream? Sure. I would say head to frontstream.com. So we're the makers of Panorama. It's an all-in-one fundraising platform. We do um, events, 
auctions, uh, direct campaigns, you do peer-to-peer, -peer, and it's donor management all in one. So it's a, a system that's really easy to talk about, but one of the things that we have at friendstream.com is we have a learning section. So there are tons of ebooks and webinars there that have a lot more information on some of the stuff that I've been talking about. So there's an ebook on how to set up a monthly donation program, so we'd love you to check that one out. There's an ebook on how to optimize your uh, content and to optimize basically your nonprofit for more corporate sponsorships and corporate sponsorships and more inbound traffic from um, corporations who want to do employee engagement campaigns is interesting to you, you can download that. Um, we've got great content about giving days and um, online fundraising in general and uh, lots of free webinars for nonprofits. You can just go to frontstream.com. Claire, thank you again for your time, and I encourage my listeners to check out your website and to check out all that Claire is doing. Thank you once again for taking time to share with us today on the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. Thank you. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.